Hey, thanks for taking a few minutes today to tune in. We pray that no matter where you're listening from, these messages are engaging, encouraging, and relevant to where you are on your life's journey. Right now, uh, called Asking for a Friend. And it's, it's kind of like this quotation around the friend because we all have questions about faith. We all have things that have probably come up in our lives of reasons why we wouldn't believe in God. The idea of God seems really great to many of our friends. The idea of believing in something that's beyond this world, that's in this world, that wants to have a relationship with us, that gave his life, that we could have a life eternal. It seems, it's, it seems too good to be true. And lots of times because it's too good to be true, we, we push it off. But there's some questions that come up. And if you're new to faith, even if you're old to faith, you, some of these questions you've probably battled with. And for many years, I, I think that the church has done a really, hard, a really bad job in actually addressing some of these questions. And I'm not, I'm not no, uh, I don't have a doctorate in theology, even though there's people in our, in our church that do. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't claim to be the best person to be talking about all these subjects. But this is what I want us to get to, is that as a church who, who have the answer to the hope of the world, that we can't put our heads in the sands like ostriches and pretend that what questions that our friends have are non-existent and hoping that they'll go away. Because they won't. So even if we don't answer all the questions to, uh, in this series, I hope that it spurs us on to be willing to explore a little deeper. We're going to answer some of the skeptics' questions. And sometimes the skeptic is us. Okay, so two weeks ago, we actually looked at a question that says, I, I want to believe in God, but how do I know the Bible is legit? We looked at that. I, I encourage you that if, if that's something that was like, I, would, I wish I was here, you can grab all of it online, podcast, uh, right on our website. You can click on the tab. You can go right there. You can not miss an, an episode, download it, stream it, whatever, listen to it. Um, and then last week we said, I want to believe, but if God is real, why is there pain and suffering? Isn't it insane that then this week we see two tragedies that Jackson talked about in our world? Why is there pain, evil, and suffering? Today, I wanna, we want to pose a question that's, that at first, is, I think it's going to hurt a little bit, especially if in this, in this place that you're, you're of faith, that you already say yourself you're a Christian, because this is a real question that so many people have about us that we want to bring some light into this morning. And it's actually one of the major reasons that, that people actually stay away from stepping into faith with Jesus. This is a question we want to tackle this morning. And I promise you, in the next 23 minutes, um, I'm not going to answer every question about this, okay? So, go home. Don't just believe Wikipedia, though. Okay, but this is a question that we want to answer. I want to believe, but why are all Christians hypocrites? Quite heavy. Let me pray. God, we just thank you this morning that we can attempt in the best way that we know how some of these questions that our friends, our coworkers, even ourselves ask. Would you bring some light into it? Would you push away the shadows this morning? And would you speak in your name? Amen. In, in 2007, Barna, the, the Barna Group did an extensive research project and asked non-Christian people why they rejected Christianity. And the top three responses 
were actually for moralistic reasons. The number one response was they believed that Christians were anti-homosexual. The second top reason was they felt that Christians were judgmental. And the third one with 85%, they felt that Christians were hypocritical. Many people would actually believe that the greatest proof that God does not exist is the behavior of Christians themselves. Brendan Manning actually said, and if, if you grew up, if, if you were around in the Jesus Freak days with DC Talk, and, and if, it's like just a little, it's like, what? Who is this guy? Actually, on one of their albums, they quoted this, this quote, and it's always stayed with me because I'm old. And um, this is what he, he quoted, and it, it was quoted in one of their albums. It says, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. See, people use this argument that God does not exist, that, 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 that God is not real because of the behavior of Christians themselves. If you actually look in history, why, do, why did Christians torture people through the crusades and, and you look, look at, if you look at the time of like hunting witches and, and the church was one of the, the greatest causes, you would have seen that nearly 5,000 women or 5 million women were murdered being claimed as witches in Europe. Not to mention all the social judgment, exclusion and slavery the church have supported throughout history. And you hear some of these statistics and, and people would throw them at you. And, and I agree. Why would anyone want to follow a faith that has done these things? These are real questions that our friends, that our coworkers, that our enemies, that, that the skeptic, that, that we're even we're, we're asking, why, God? I feel these feelings. I, I know that you are real. But, God, why did this happen? Why did millions of people get slaughtered in the name of Jesus years ago as they marched through with swords and, 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 and crosses on, 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 on flags and, and killing people and, make, and forcing people into Christianity? For those that are of faith here this morning, you might be like, well, how do I respond to that? How should we respond to that? It's tough. Because you can't go back and erase history. We can't deny that the Crusades didn't happen. We can't deny that the witch hunts and torturing people and burning people at the stake in the name of Jesus and because of the church didn't happen. There's too many, like it, it did. But the first step for us as believers, if you're here of faith, have a Christian faith today, is that we have to honestly admit that these charges are true. It was done. We can't undo it. See, we actually posted this question on our, our Instagram story this week and, and one person responded and said, well, the reason that I believe that all Christians are hypocrites is, is because we say, they say one thing with their mouths, but they don't do the same things with their actions. 
Essentially the same thing that, that Benjamin Manning said, right? That is what the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That they acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but walk at the door and deny them with their lifestyle. Gandhi, 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 Gandhi. <laughs> I'm working on three hours of sleep. I actually told our dream team before we, we started at our huddle, I was like, look, if I say something that's not right, like stand up and like throw me off the stage or something. So I'm really pushing through here this morning. I love it. But Gandhi, not Gandhi, um, it says, I like, your, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Many Christians, or many, uh, many who call themselves Christians throughout history and even today have done, and we have to acknowledge this, and we have to come to grips with the fact that things that have been done and that are, are doing are horrible in the name of Christ. Horrific acts have been committed in the name of Christ and Christians, and we cannot be naive about it. Can I also clarify something for us this morning? If you're here and you may be seeing an uh, Instagram post about what we're talking, maybe you're going to be listening on the podcast this week. Maybe you're here and you're kind of like, man, I'm wrestling with this question myself. There's something that needs to be clarified. That some institutions, organizations, people actually misrepresent Jesus and reflect and, and don't reflect what he taught. See, it's really easy to put the name Christian on yourself. Actually, I, I, I wonder if, there's, if Satan is so cowardly to act in a way to say, why don't you just act as Christians and that'll actually be a strike against Christians and we'll be winning. I, one thing I know about Satan, he's a coward. He will do whatever to disguise himself to actually try uh, to, to get us humans to worship anything but God. Because when we start worshiping God, our lives start to make a difference and start to find a purpose. See, Satan doesn't really care if you worship him. He just doesn't want you to worship God. You see what I'm saying? So we're, we're, we are created to worship. This is a message for another time. But we are created to worship. And if we're not worshiping God and we're not worshiping, worshiping Jesus Christ himself, we are worshiping something. So Satan doesn't care what, what trick or what tack or what lie he wants us to be, gets us to believe. But the fact that if our, if our attention, our devotion, and, and our surrender is not towards Jesus, he's totally fine. There are two major reasons for the existence of hypocritical, judgmental, and mean-spirited people in the church in history and today. One is simply what I just referred to. The church has people, get this, of course not here. Of course not here. But the church has people who aren't actually Christians. It's easy to put a bumper sticker that says, I love Jesus, on your car to cover up a rust spot and, and to, to hang a cross around your neck and to go around and, and, and say one thing with your mouth. But are we actually sometimes acting the way that we should Matthew, Jesus taught that, that there would be false teachers. And as I was saying for this today, I'm like, or this, I wasn't saying for today, this week. That's when I was, 
Matthew actually, Jesus taught that there would be false teachers that will lead people astray and false disciples in the world that will actually lead themselves astray, which is, is insane. That's why it's so important to get connected to a, a body of, of believers who are actually trying to make sense of this life together and not just off doing their own thing, but it's important to get into an organization like a church and to work through some of this stuff together. And we believe, uh, we believe that it's so important. But there are people that will try to lead us astray, and there's some people that are leading themselves astray. Jesus actually warns people not to judge Christianity by the morality of people. And this is, what ha- this is the problem, is that when we start looking at humans to be an example of Jesus, we, we need to be an example of Jesus, but our, our you shouldn't be looking at me to be Jesus in your life, we need to be looking at Jesus to be Jesus in your life. Right? Jesus is our example, not me, not Sean Lee. Jesus is our example. I can acknowledge, I can stand up here and I'm not, we're getting to a better part of it in a moment. I'm not meaning to point a judgmental finger because that's the second most thing that people feel. But can I acknowledge that we have churches that are filled with people who attend, don't say bad words, don't watch bad movies most of the time, and might even give money to make this happen make church. I'm talking about church worldwide, okay? Would it be too bold to say that there might be people like that that never walk in the love and the way that God wants them to walk? Actually, I, I think I can be bold enough to say because it's actually biblical. Revelation thirteen or three sixteen says Jesus calls these individuals lukewarm, and then in Matthew twenty three it says in in the in in the end days, a group of religious people will say, Lord, Lord. But he will cast them out and say, I never knew you. Strong words. Some years ago, uh, there were, there are, pull, a pull, I'm speaking like I'm old, but years ago. There was a poll actually taken that showed that the lifestyle and activities of Christians were nearly identical to those who were not claiming to be Christians. And these were the areas that they asked them about. So Christians and those who identified with being non-Christians, when it came to gambling, virtually the same. Visiting pornographic websites, the same. Taking something that didn't belong to them, the same. Saying, saying mean things behind someone's back, the same. Consulting a medium or, or a psychic, the same. Having a physical fight or abusing someone, the same. Using illegal or non-prescription drugs, the same. Some, uh, saying something that is not true, the same. Getting back at someone for, or someone for something they did, the same. And co- consuming enough alcohol to be considered legally drunk, the same. Pretty insane. But there was one difference. There was one difference. And guess what it was? Recycling. Recycling. If you can believe it, right? 
And you want to know what the crazy thing is? Is that 79% of non-believers recycled and 68% of Christians did. Like, you're like, it's like totally opposite. Like, it's, you, you would think, I, I think you were like, we'll on the other side of it. But I wonder if this is what non-Christians actually find unbelievable. It's not about recycling people. Even though we should try to save our planet. You ever watch, like, people, like, trying to, I've seen a, this, uh, I think it was a feed on Facebook, probably, where they, like, grabbed a seal by the flipper and tried to take this net off his neck. And it's like, like th- that kind of stuff. Like, I'm not an all about animals and stuff, but that kind of stuff, like, hits me in the feels, right? It just, it's like, aw. It's okay if it's on my plate, but I don't want to see it moving out there. We can edit that out, right? <laughs> all right, Jay, thank you, bro. He does our podcast every single week. Thank you so much. Um, he makes me sound good. Every, every now and then, like, voice changes throughout the message. So I was like, oh, Jay's just making me sound better. That's all. No. When we put Christianity on trial, our questions need to be directed towards Jesus, not people who have flaws. I think what our world really finds hard to believe is the fact that maybe in the past, and I hope that we're different because we say it nearly every single week that we're imperfect people in the pursuit of a perfect God. But for, for some centuries, it seems, and I grew, I grew up saying that, well, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you've got to cut your hair, you, gotta, you can't have your ears pierced, and you, you, you've got to do all these things to be a Christian. And I hope that we've gotten to a point where it's not hypocritical, but we can take the mask off our face and not, not say that we have life figured out, not say that we don't have issues, but to come to a realization that, you know what, we, we know that, that Jesus is changing the world and not, we're not acting like we don't need a savior, but we're, we're stepping into a world of saying, God, I need a savior. See, what a, what a world finds hard to believe is that when just going to church, just going to church, sometimes people think that, man, if they go to church, they should be perfect. Can I tell you a place that, that where imperfect people should be? Right here. See, the second part, I'm going to do it quickly because we have seven minutes left. The church should be full of people who come from different backgrounds, have different experiences, and are different stages of growth in their faith journey. I don't know if you can remember it way back where I tied a line from one speaker to the other. And it's an opportunity that right in the middle is like this life-changing moment where we give our lives to Christ. But you don't need to have everything figured out. You don't even need to be a Christian to be in a church. Do we want to come to a point where we hope that we, we, we talk about and show Jesus enough where you want to make a moment where you come from light into eternity? Yes. From darkness into light. We, we want to see that happen. That's, that's our desire. That's why we started church. But you also can find a place to explore faith for yourself in discovery. 
I'm not sure if we've done a good job in the past of actually helping people understand the message of Christianity. See, Christianity is not about making people good. It's not about making bad people better. And I know that many of us believe, and we we might even be here, and we believe in Jesus, and we still live like we have to have these list of rules to be good and going. The gospel is not about what we can do for God. The gospel is completely about what God has done for us. We're messed up people. We're messy. This is the core of Christianity, what God has done for us. Can I say something? is that when God starts to move in our lives, we refer to it in a little bit of the worship, the things get messy. The church is not this polished club where we sit around singing kumbaya and sipping tea with our pinkies out like nothing, nothing, that nothing is wrong in our lives. Can I tell you that the church should be a hospital, a place for the broken, a place for the needy, a place for the people that says, I, I don't know what to do with my life, but I need a, I'm in need of something. I'm in need of a savior. That's what a church should be. Not a bunch of people that walk out the door and say, I got it all together and get people the finger when they don't yield into the center lane correctly seems like when I say we I just I just feel like we're a family we can talk openly and candidly but I'm not just like talking about us 80 people in this room I'm apologizing for Christians in the past that it's really easy for us to get entitled and to forget what Jesus actually did in our lives. And we wake up every morning with his, hopefully an understanding that Jesus died for me, that I am a failure, I am messed up, I'm dead in sin, but Jesus came in human form and gave his life for me. I hope that when we leave this place, not that we leave saying, hey, I'm perfect. Can we leave and say, I'm changed by a perfect God? Man, and you're sitting with your coworkers and your friends, let me tell you, man, my life was messed. My life is still messed up. My marriage, man, I'm working through some stuff. My finances, what I view, I'm still working through some stuff. But the grace of God is in my life and I am trying to surrender and I'm trying to work through some things. And guess what? I'm doing it in a community. You should come and be a part of our church. Well, but isn't church for perfect people? No, church is for broken people. People can believe that the church is filled with hypocrites. And in many cases, I would probably agree. And if that's one of your holdbacks to Christianity, can I just say that that doesn't prove that Christianity isn't true and that it doesn't work. Actually, probably means that it's working 
exposing the sin in our lives Jesus actually come to set us free from. And when we encounter that life-changing power of Jesus Christ, church gets messy, people in it get messy, and as we stumble through, people are gonna be like, man, why were you, you were out drunk with me last night and now you're in church. I know, man, I'm screwed up, messed up. Still trying to stumble back. I'm going, but I'm going back to the place that I know I am in need of community. And guess what? That that start, that doesn't start stop hap, That doesn't happen every week. Maybe now it's once a week. Maybe and eventually you're kind of like, man, I, I don't have this drinking problem anymore. I want to end with this quote from a book that uh, has been wrecking my life lately and uh, lots of the inspiration along with the Bible has, has been coming from this book. It says, we can recognize that when the kingdom of God comes into a person's life, it causes an upheaval. Sin starts coming to the surface and things in the church get messy. The gospel goes out and the people feel, feel the weight of it and their sin is exposed. God confronts people and shakes them and they, ent- they either, get this, they either run away from him or they push into him and in so doing, start to live in the tension that he brings. Remember, the church is comprised of people who have come to a place where they are trusting Jesus to save them, not because they are perfect already, but because they are not. God never intended for the church to be perfect. Does he want us to work through issues and confront people that we have issues with? Absolutely, that's biblical. This place is a place for the broken, the hurting. If you're here today and you've given your life to Christ, the only thing that makes you different from somebody that hasn't made that decision yet is that you've accepted the grace of a father and said, you know what, I just can't do it on my own. There are so many questions that you may have about faith in Jesus. Can I encourage you to explore those questions for yourself? God is not afraid of your questions. Rather, he welcomes them. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, and be sure to never miss an episode. If you find these talks beneficial, will you rate and review them? That would help others get connected to these kinds of talks. Have a great day. Can't wait to hang with you again next week.